listener production. Howdy, you are listening to episode 129 of the Howie Games, part B, featuring AFL Ironman, Sean Burgoyne. Let's continue. What's it like, Sean, walking off the MCG after losing a grand final? <laughs> I've lost two? Yeah. One, for, one by a world record margin. <laughs> so how was that? Like, uh, it was Geelong's premiership. What, you lost by, what did you lose by? A hunt? Uh, 119 points or something, 117 points. Port still goalless in this last quarter and a fancy bit of footwork there. Sets up Sean Burgoyne, the goal unguarded, and that is a beautiful finish, it has to be said. So you talk about the mental side of the game. What's it like at half-time in the grand final or halfway through the third quarter when you know yeah, well, we're done? It was it was pretty weird because we, I'm pretty sure we played Geelong a couple of weeks before down in Geelong and we'd won. Yeah. Um, so we actually went into the the grand final where we thought we could actually we could actually win because it wasn't beyond us winning against against Geelong and we just had a, an awful day an awful awful day it was there was only what probably one or two players who could hold their head up hold their head up high um, but apart from that it was just complete embarrassment um, you know a lot of soul searching. afterwards in Adelaide because Adelaide's obviously a footy town there's two teams if one team wins and the other loses the, the rival supporters just give it to you every chance they get um, but it was embarrassment um, for I think a lot of players didn't even want to go out of the house in Adelaide for a long time um, what did the coach then, say what did the coach say at the end of the game <laughs> well there's there's not much you can say to be honest it's just you know we we, we just lost it on the on the day, Geelong were on fire. Um, is a complete embarrassment. I'm too, not too sure what he said, to be honest. I don't think there's much he could say. Um, and then, obviously, just trying to put the pieces back together over pre-season, um, rebuild your your confidence because it did take a take a hit, and there was a lot of embarrassing moments um, during that game for everyone. Um, and then, yeah, it took a, it took a while to recover from that one. The Sydney one where we, we lost in 2012 to Sydney was it was, it was a different one again because um, I think 2012, 13, 14 and 15, whatever it was, that was the only one we went into as favourites. A grand final from the top shelf. There's the bounce. Both Ruckman hanging on. Kennedy can't emerge with the football, knocked forward by Savage. Hanabry to Malchesti. Is that the grand final? Sydney are premiers. What a snap. What a celebration. What a grand final. And we lost the one we favourites, but, you know, won the ones we were underdogs. So that was a tough pill to swallow as well because um, we were in a position to win the game, you know, and so was Sydney. They obviously win, but we just let key moments get away from us. And I think we used, the, as a team, we used the fuel for that. To, to go on the next couple of year, next run for the couple of years after that. So that was more of um, the 2007 grand final was more of embarrassment and humiliation, whereas 2000 and, and, and 
12, 12. was more of frustration and we let that one slip, you know. We may not ever get back here because that's, that's the, the truth of it is you may never, ever get back there. You may get this one chance to get back there and, you know, there's no automatic you're going to be here next year. So it was one of frustration. And fast forward nearly 12 months, three-quarter time in a preliminary final, I'll put my supporter hat on here, Hawthorne's down by 20 points to Geelong, probably my favourite quarter of footy I can remember in recent history because the, the teams lost the 2012 grand final. They're 20 points down at three-quarter time in a preliminary final against Geelong who have got their tail up. What are your memories of that last quarter? And we will need to include your goal in these memories, Shawnee. They snatch a late goal and stretch the lead. Blitzaps was up. Hale, Murdoch goes with the right boot. And I think he's got it. He has. Jordan Murdoch. Well, that will be played over and over again. As Bruce called it, it was the wrong call. And the Cats swooping on the opportunity, a half chance in the dying seconds of the third term. And now it's almost a match-winning lead. They're up by 20. <laughs> um, I just remember that it was positive. Um, the, like, we were in the game, even though they were up by 20 points. It was, guys, we're not out of the game. We can actually still... We can still win, guys. Um, but but, but they're, they're, they're saying that and there's believing yeah. it. Are you believing it at yeah. that point? Yeah, I actually, I was in the, I was one of the believers. Um, they're probably, they may, I've never asked all my teammates, but there may have been one or two guys who didn't believe it. I'm not too sure. It's a, it's a, probably have to ask all those guys individually. But for me personally, I believed it. I was in the moment thinking, yeah, we can win. We're not, you know, we've got enough talent in this group. We've got enough, you know, Fierce competitors to want this. Prestonson, well, he found a way through. Gets a hand pass to Bartell. Live ball in the square. Burgoyne applies the pressure. As a result, Hill with a chance. Hill puts it through. Wonderful work by Burgoyne. Forced the error. And that's what we went into. Um, in the, well, that's what I went into in the last quarter. And um, yeah, there were just some key moments in the game. You know, we had a lot of shots on goal where we missed as well. Um, but. I thought we were right in the contest. Rioli taking off. Lonigan still with Rioli. Real chance. Hawthorne are in now. Rioli pinpoint. Kick the full forward. Burgoyne with Mackey. What a big play. Burgoyne gets it back. Gunston's got four. And they're coming now. Ball comes to you. Deep in the right forward pocket at the MCG. <laughs> Game on the line. Five minutes yeah. to go. Burgoyne picks it up, then what happens? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was funny. Um, I actually, well, I didn't know at the start when Jimmy went um, because <laughs> um, he kicked the ball from full back and um, I was the man on the mark um, and kicked the ball out and I just followed the line of the ball and I don't know where actually he went, but he um, didn't come with me. <laughs> and then the ball, obviously the turnover came back and I was by myself and just yelling for the ball. But Hawthorne with a little bit of momentum now. They're dominating the field play. Franklin leaving it for Mitchell. Mitchell, clever kick, getting the ball forward. As I got the ball, I looked up, he started running at me. The first thought I was to actually dodge him and to go around. It's probably why he, he got so close to smothering the ball. Yeah. <laughs> because it, it, it did go through my head to try stepping. Guthrie worked it well, trouble. Hamble over the top. Bruce. Well done, Rivers, Lewis, brilliantly, Gunston, Burgoyne to put them in front. 
doesn't miss. He's kicked three. Hawthorne back in front. But um, I end up just kicking kicking the goal, um, which was probably I should have in hindsight I should have kicked it a lot a lot sooner <laughs> instead of getting a lot closer. Um, and then it was just a bit of relief when it went through. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a funny game. Um, well, funny, you know, I kick. I, I did kick three goals, um, but one of them I kicked a, a snap from on the like a, a kick from the goal line where I got a ball and brushed a tackle and kicked the ball, um, you know, from the goal line and I found out after the game that the ball went to my wife and she dropped the mark. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's, uh, I, I love that bit about the game. So I kicked, as I got the ball, she, my wife said she started, she started screaming and then I kicked the goal and she was jumping up cheering and then she was like, oh, shit, the ball's coming. <laughs> and then it was, she was sitting on level one, like, you know, the, the yeah. second level yeah. or level two, whatever that is. Yeah. And then as she, she tells the story, she went to mark the ball and David Hull's wife spoiled her. <laughs> um, and I said, oh, I'm going to get you in the park and do some, uh, do some, you know, kick the ball into your hands. But that's a, I love that bit of the story as well, that she able to, you know, well, there was eighty plus thousand people there, and I kicked the goal, and she could have marked the ball. That is a great, a great story. So, mate, 13, 14, 15, three premierships in a row. We don't have time to go through them all in detail, but yeah. Do you have an enduring memory? We talked about the, the memory at Port Adelaide and 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 the punch on, but do do you have an enduring memory <sighs> from that just incredible period of success for your footy club? An eleventh premiership. Buddy may get the last touch. Dawson deprives him. They've done it. The best team all year. Last year so difficult for them. Back on top of the mountain. Um, yeah, there's probably a few moments. Um, there was one where Hodgie gave a speech against Fremantle. Um, and uh, he said, uh, I think it was after half time or something, he came out and he go, his, his speech was, um, um, I want Fremantle to kick the first three goals, because I've got faith in this group, we'll come back and we'll win. <laughs> and I looked at everyone else and I was like, no, nah, no, I don't want them to kick the first three goals. Um, and then after the game, I went in and I was like, what about your shit speech? He was like, and the boys were like, yeah, what were you saying that for? And he was like, but then Hodges, because Hodges is always right. And he was like, well, I was right, wasn't I? We won. I said I had faith in you boys. Oh, so I love that 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 bit of, bit, bit of speech he gave. Um, but then all... Um, you know the, the 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 Sydney game was unbelievable. I, the second quarter was probably the best quarter as a team um, I think I've ever been a part of or ever played. I don't know how many goals we kicked in that second quarter against Sydney in in fourteen, but I don't know. There was that was out of this world. Oh, oh, this. Turned over again, goes for the Hodge. kick in. Hodge marks. Hodge goes. What is going on here at the MCG? They've kicked the last five. It's 68 to 21. Halfway mark of the second term. Everything came to we we on the back of that quarter. Well, back of that half of that quarter, we we'd won the game. Yes. Um, I'm not too sure how many goals we kicked, but that that period of that quarter will will stick in stick in my head. And then the the, the 15 one. Um, we've just got so many memories of Cyril. Brilliant, Rioli puts it through. How about that for a start? You know, his rundown on um, oh, Hutching, Hutchings, yep. his rundown on him was oh, unbelievable, out of this world. McGovern, 
Kept his balance. Hutchings comes away. Nothing down the ground. He's run down by Rioli. Um, a lot of my memories of that game are just him. Um, just doing what he does. Grand final specialist, isn't he? Rioli's got his second and Hawthorne are now settling beautifully. You know, so different memories, but they all hold each each premiership um, has a different story to it. And what we went through as a team to get there um, was, was you know, crazy. Some of the, you know, the, the different stories leading into those grand finals, um, you know, the whole year. So they hold, all hold a special memory. So Hawthorne have done it. The first team in the 18-team competition to go back to back to back. They're three Peters. You talked about Cyril. Now you get the question from my daughter. <laughs> Ten Shawnee, you've dealt with the big penguin and he's wanting to know about how to take speckies. Now you get the pickle as she the operates. Pickle. You get the pickle. Yeah. All right, Shawnee, here you go. Shawnee Burgoyne Pickle here. You're my favourite player at the moment, but we were really sad when Cyril left, like really sad, because we always liked to watch him take marks and all the stuff that he did. Who was your favourite player that you ever played with? That's a tough question. That's a very tough question. Well, probably, well, probably two, there's two. Probably at Port Adelaide, um, um, Gavin Wanganin was my, my idol as a kid growing up, watching him play for Essendon, winning a Bradlow and then coming to Port and then playing with him. So running around with my, my childhood idol, who's obviously my, who's obviously my older cousin, um, was I loved being able to play with him, who, you know, Essendon team of the century, Hall of Famer, everything, you know, Bradlow. So he, he's one. And then at, at Hawthorne, um, it's, it's probably playing with, with Lance and Cyril. Um, Lance will go down as um, one of the best players to ever play the game. Um, and then, you know, I mean, obviously, hopefully he gets a kick his thousandth goal this year. Mm-hmm. Crossing my fingers, he gets there. Um, and, and and Cyril for, um, obviously, um, everything he's done. Um, you know, retiring early, um, being an excitement machine, um, you know our families have, have have known each other. Well, my my mum's from Darwin. Have known his family f- forever. Um, his Cyril's uncle is my godfather, <laughs> so I've got a connection there. My dad played with a lot of Cyril's uncles and everything as well. Played footy up there for St Mary's, um, so I've got that special family bond with him. But I'm very very sad and, and disappointed. Well, we're not disappointed. Um, oh, I'm disappointed that I didn't get to play another two or three years with him but you know Cyril's been living away from home since 14 and boarding school wanted to go home and be with his family and, and start the next phase of his life and um, which I'm pretty happy for him to do but I still miss playing with the little fella but yeah Lance and Cyril um, you know there's a couple of other guys who, who are very close to them but um, just to I've been very very lucky to play with a number of great players What's he up to at the moment? I'm sure you're in touch with Cyril. He's a mysterious character. He's never easy to track down. Well, what's, what's the great man up to at the moment? What's the last contact you had with him? Um, um, well, he, he played uh, played a game of footy up there. He did, yeah. The Terry Bombers and kicked a couple of goals. Um, so I think he's just working and can, becoming a builder. So, um, yeah, so he's up there. Um, I'll be up and down at some stage in the next year or so, uh, the next break we have. 
um, visit my grandfather and, and um, my family up there. So I'll bump into him at some stage when I'm there. What's it like walking off the MCG we talked about as a loser? What's it like walking off as a winner, especially in relation to three in a row, like three in a row? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, unbelievable. Well, the first thing, yeah, it's just unbelievable. Well, you know, there's 100,000 in the crowd, so the whole game is you're just buzzing, the adrenaline's running through you. Um, and then as soon as the siren goes, you know, the, the, the exp- what would live stage with me is the expression you see on everyone's face. You know, your, your teammates' faces, you know, some are crying, some are laughing, you know, hugging. And then you run over to your, the, you know, the wives and the kids who are all on the sideline ready to come on to, to see their, their faces and um, the emotions. It, it just shows, um, you know, it doesn't, you know, um, it's not just the team who who wins the twenty two. They're the ones on the field, but you see the support staff. You know, you look at the the amount of people from clubland on the oval, the sports admin people there. You know, it takes a, a club and a you know it takes a a whole network of people to to win. And you see everyone because everyone has a, a role to play within a footy club to to win a grand final and to see everyone out there and they get just staff members and the families get just as much joy out of a grand final win as we do as players. I was looking back yesterday, Shawnee, on Alistair Clarkson speaking to the group. I reckon it's before your 350th game. And and he spoke really well. We've been pretty wrapped with what you are as a footballer, so you don't think how wrapped you are the, the way that you've turned out as a man. And these two young fellas are a great reflection of their, um, of their dad and their mum. Give me an Alistair Clarkson story, just from somewhere along the line. <laughs> just, just tell me something about the coach. A Clarko story? Yeah. Um, oh, it's funny. Oh, he's got so many stories. Um, um, pre, any of the pre-season camps we go on, um, Clarko's right in there with it. Um, I went on a, an early one at Port Adelaide. Um, um, he, he probably... Put my life at risk once. <laughs> what did he do? Uh, uh, myself. Oh, so we had a group, um, Matty Primus, <laughs> Adam Kingsley, a few of the few of the boys in my group, and um, we had to hike. It was a group race, you know, run, you know, three or four hours through the bush to get to one point to another, and we went up um, the wrong way, and then we could either we went about an hour the wrong way, literally, um, so we could go back an hour and back the right way, so then it would be two hours. Pretty much. Or we could, there was a, a cliff that we looked up and we could climb a cliff. And, and Clarko just looked at it and he was like, oh, I reckon we can climb that. <laughs> um, and then the, and the rest of the group were like, oh, okay, let's climb that cliff. Um, so it was probably a 20 metre cliff, 30 metre cliff. Um, um, and then we got up to the top and I was the last one and I couldn't reach. I couldn't reach, so we, we, well, he, well, him and Matty Price and, and King is made a human rope. So they dangled Toby Thurston's off the cliff and they held onto his feet. <laughs> they held onto Toby's feet and, um, and, uh, um, somehow in, in me holding onto the cliff, I spun around. I was facing the wrong way, so I actually wasn't facing the cliff. I had my back on the cliff and I was facing away, so which became a bit more dangerous. Wow. <laughs> uh, so I kind of um, grabbed on the Toby and they, I kind of grabbed on the Toby 
and they grabbed onto Toby's legs and they dragged us up over the cliff. So <laughs> there's, there's probably one, which was really funny now. At the time, was probably well, a little bit dangerous. And then there's a number of stories like Harker just joining in in pre-season camps like that. And, um, yeah, very, were you very there when stories. he Were you there when he got wound up and allegedly punched himself in the face or not? Yeah, I was there. I was there. Oh, um, tell me about again, that. He, he just wasn't happy. I think we played. Uh, we must have played. I think we played Port Adelaide over in Adelaide, and we'd lost and came back, and he wasn't happy with his messaging leading into that game, um, and that's exactly what he told um, told himself. And he was so angry. He said something like, "Um, something. Oh, I'm not happy with." He's like, "You can't repeat exactly what he said," <laughs> but I'm not happy with. With myself, I feel like I feel like punching myself, and then then he said it. So then he just whack punched himself, but he he did it harder than he actually intended, and he kind of like I think he gave, he gave himself a concussion. He must have, but it was funny because then um, the boys all sat up, and everyone was like, "Oh, he's actually serious." And there was you could the tension in the air was really, and then kind of meeting finished or something, and he said pretty much give everyone five minutes off or whatever and everyone walked out and then Michael Osborne who's a jokester found a helmet and walked in and put a helmet on the ground and wrote um, O-H-N-S and stuff on the thing and then he ca- uh, on the board and he came back in and had a big laugh about it but then when the, when the tension had gone and everyone started giving him some, some crap about it some stick about it you know what are you doing he's, trying to con- he's like yeah I think I can cut myself but Ah, uh, yeah, that, there's a lot of stories like that, throwing throwing oranges in the rooms and doing all that stuff. Like, he tried to get Matt Suckling to go halves and when he punched the wall at the MCG and put the hole in the wall. Yeah. He blames Matt Suckling for that and he tried to go halves in him, tried to tell him to go halves Well, because he'd done something on the ground that had caused yeah, it, I had think, he? I think Matt Suckling missed the target <laughs> and he punched the wall like, or something like that. So there's a lot of stories in that, yeah. Yeah. Um, those early days at Port Adelaide, I have a number of funny memories with Clarko because um, obviously being my line coach. I looked at it yesterday. Shawnee, footy clubs have been really good. I won't hold you up much longer, mate. You've been so good with your time. Um, yeah, footy right. clubs have been so good in the last few years about taking us into the inner sanctum. And a video was put out in conjunction with the Hawks and the AFL when you were about to play the game that would signify you would play more games of AFL VFL football than any other Indigenous player in the history of the game. And I'll ask you how that sits with you in a moment, but you were doing a, a quasi almost fake press conference and I saw like the names that were coming down there, Wanganine, Pickett, uh, the cocky was there and Garlett, <laughs> McAdam, Pierce, Stokes, yeah. Wingard, Johnson, just these Indigenous legends just started walking down the seats of the MCG and you didn't know and then you turned around. It's one of the best things I've seen in footy. It is. My wife that week um, kept a lot of secrets from me, what she had planned, because I actually didn't know what was going on at all. Nothing. I had no idea. Um, driving into the MCG, the club had asked me to do a photo at the MCG with the wife and kids. And then um, it's funny because when we were driving on the way in, we could see the traffic, um, outbound traffic on the Monash banking up and I was getting angry with my wife because I was telling her we're going to get caught in that traffic on the way out and I wanted to turn around. I was, I was just like, we'll just ring the club and say I can't make it. Who cares? We don't need to go. And she was like, I didn't realise it. <laughs> so I was trying to cancel because I just didn't want to do it. Um, so she, we got there and um, 
doing, yeah, like a fake press conference and a fake interview and stuff. And to see all the boys come out um, really took me by surprise. Um, you know, some players flown in from interstate as well. Daniel Pierce came from Adelaide and um, Lindsay Thomas and Daryl White came out from Brisbane. Having them a part of my, my journey is, um, you know, we're creating family memories which will stay with us forever. And I guess it's not just your family that are a part of this journey, but several of your friends, uh, players, past and present. And if you want to turn around, you might see a few of them behind you. <laughs> 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 so I got a, a later on. I got. A, I didn't show them at the time. But I got a bit emotional just to see everyone who took the time out to um, come and you know say hello and um, you know to. For me, who um, I don't think um, I'm anything special <laughs> to take their time out to come and to be a part of um, a, a personal milestone was um, yeah very very humbling and you know just goes to show those guys um, you know what type of guys they are to come out and take their time out of their day to come down you know even from interstate. What when you say you got emotional, what does that mean? Oh. Um, I don't know. It probably triggers a lot of things, to be honest. When I'm just growing up, never wanted to be the, the you know, the centre of attention. Never wanted to have the spotlight, like you're saying before. You know, growing up and being humble, um, have the spotlight on yourself, is, and to celebrate a personal milestone is probably not a good example of that. <laughs> so it probably stirred up all those emotions. Um, um, yeah, and then obviously thanking my wife for watching the stuff that she was doing, you know, behind the scenes with the PA and the club and the AFL organising these special these special things. Um, you know, even, you know, the the club organised, um, got silk shirts. Um, I had a, Brett Ratton pulled me into a fake meeting before a team meeting and I was like, what's the Rats want to talk about this stuff for? I don't need to, you're wasting my time. And then, um, we walked into the team meeting and my wife and kids were there with all the players all decked out in white shirts and, and Clarko sang a song. Um, so Rado did a really good job of um, distracting me for that. Um, so I got emotional with that. Um, you know, and then day of the game, the, the club flew in my my um, my nephew um, and my, my cousins like Graham Johncock, um, Harry Miller, um, you know, my, my brother, his brother Barry, so my, my, my my closest cousins and my nephew um, and then family and friends flew in from interstate as well um, to see that that week was the whole week at the end of the week was an emotional week to be honest and it's funny because everyone has seen those t-shirts got silk shirts I get hit up on social media <laughs> where those can we get can we buy some those got silk shirts my, my family and friends all text me and I was like they only made 200. I think they only made 200 or something. But everyone wants one. So, um, yeah, it's it yeah, it pretty funny. Mate, a real change of gear before I wind you up. Obviously, it was all across the paper when there was stories. You never know how much is true about you were considering moving from the Hawks and going to the Gold Coast. I'm not sure what you can say, what you want to say, what <laughs> what, what happened, but what, what's your reflection on that time? And you obviously didn't do it, so... The end result of that is why, I guess. Yeah, well, obviously, Gold Coast made an approach to me to um, put a multi-year contract in front of me. Obviously, a couple of years playing and a few years working. Um, to be, to be honest, I had a lot more money than what I'm getting as well. <laughs> um, and then it was a big decision, especially when you you know you come into the end and that an opportunity like that, which doesn't come around too often. No. 
at 37 years of age, <laughs> um, or 36 years of age, I actually forgot how old I am, to be honest, um, um, what's the best decision for me and my family going forward? Um, and I'd only ever been to the Gold Coast, to be honest, to the beach, and so we actually needed to actually find out. Um, and there were no guarantees from Hawthorne as well at that stage. Um, and then go up there and see, actually, can we live there? Can we... Um, you know, uproot ourselves again. Uh, when I first came to Melbourne, I only had two kids. Um, one was a newborn and one was three years old, the two boys, and now I've got four. Um, could we go there? And after going there and getting all the information presented to us, um, you know, about, you know, what what's going to take and require to live there and then, you know, then obviously getting obviously a deal from Hawthorne, um, we decided the best thing for our, us and our family was to stay here and, and play for Hawthorne and finish my career here. Um, and we had to make the best decision. The best decision football-wise and family-wise, everything was to stay here with Hawthorne, and, which is a club I love and it's my club and I want to finish my career here. But How close did make, you get? Um, well, close enough to go there and check out some schools and real estate. Yeah, that's, <laughs> um, that's pretty close then, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty close um, because you can't make life-changing decisions without having all the information presented to you um, and then you make a you know, a, re- a responsible decision. So it was close, but um, Hawthorne's my team and I wanted to finish my career here. And um, I always, I probably had a feeling it always in, deep down I wanted to stay, but I needed to make that decision. And it's a family decision to make with the kids as well. So, but I made the right decision to stay with Hawthorne and, and finish my career here. And, um, and, you know, I think, you know, to to finish it here would be, you know, something that, um, w- would be better for me. You must have envisioned your life after football. Where does <laughs> where, like where does you know you're going to be 48 the way you talk? Another two, three, seven, eight, nine, ten seasons. <laughs> but what what's the next thing you'd like to do with your life after dedicating so much of it to football, Shawnee? Um, to be honest, just be more involved with my my kids. Obviously, I'm going to work like everyone um, work, and then just more involved with my kids. I want to. Um, um, re- well, I really want to be at all their trainings. I want to be at all their games. You know, I want to. I want to be a part of it. Um, I don't know if I'll ever coach any of their footy teams or basketball teams or anything, but I want to be a part of it. I go. I do help my son's footy team. Um, you know, help pick up the cones, do help one or two drills here and there, but take more of an active, more of an active role in their lives and be a part of. You know, their their their. I know they're growing, um, so um, yeah, that's probably where I envision myself. Obviously, get employment, but you know, being at everything at the moment. So I try to be that now as well. Um, try to get my stuff done. I try to rush home to get there for school pickup um, if I can to pick them all up one by one. Just do the follow the little little route we go, you know, <laughs> through the back streets so you stay off the main roads. Um, yeah, so that's probably where I'll be heading. It was wonderful. You did a couple of games and we did at least one, maybe two games together when you came in and did triple M football and I was sitting there calling and you were doing special comments and you did a really nice job of that. Do you enjoy that side of life? Very different than media. Yeah, I do. It's actually, it's fun. It's actually challenging as well, Um, you know, to, um, to, to commentate a game or special comments to, you know, to paint a picture for people who are listening so they can make their own minds up what's actually happening on the field is 
um, something that is exciting and I did enjoy it and you guys do a really good job. Um, so hopefully um, I can get back and continue that as well, life after footy, because I'd, I'd like to. Probably not the commentating stuff. That's actually, as you know, uh, that's a hard skill to master to, to commentate live play by play, but to do more of the special comments and that is something that um, does, I do like and being a part of it, it gives you a different appreciation and a different view of the game. Any media organisation that had you working for them would be very lucky, I reckon, Sean. <laughs> Final question for the kids listening. And you've got kids and I've got kids, so you know the significance of this question and you could take two hours to answer it. But for any young kid out there that has stars in their eyes and dreams about achieving something, whether it's a sporting dream or a schooling dream or an artistic dream, one bit of advice from you, Shawnee, as to how to go about achieving some success? Oh, for me, um, well, growing up, my mum my, my and dad always taught me to respect my elders as a as a cult, you know, from our culture, you know, respect your elders, do do what your elders say. Um, so then I took that approach in the footy training. Um, whatever my coaches said, they were always right. I tried to do what they told me, even from a young kid under 10s, 12s, 14s, 17s. I tried to do what my coaches wanted to do. Um, they're obviously passing down their knowledge, whether that be at suburban level or senior AFL level, they've got a lot more knowledge than you as a kid. Mm. And that's exactly what I try to do is do what they do what they told every single time and just practice. Um, practice growing up in Port Lincoln, walking to and from school. We had a football. We'd walk and try to kick and hit that stoby pole or in Victoria you call them light posts. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Yes. South Australia with stoby poles. So I used to try to hit that stony pole, used to try to dribble people's balls through people's driveways as you walk past the houses on the way to school and home. So I always had a football in my hand, always, you know, before and after school. Um, I probably slept with my footy as well, you know, in the bed. Probably most kids do that. So probably two things, yeah, listen to your, listen to your, your, your coaches and just practice. Shawnee, it's been a treat for me to chat with you. Thank you for being so generous with your time and may everything that you want from here happen to you going forward. You've made a lot of people a lot of happy memories in footy clubs, both at Hawthorne and Port Adelaide, so may it continue. Thanks for having a chat, mate. No, no worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Oh, I hope you enjoyed the story. I hope we all got it in there with a very quick turnaround. Thanks to Sean for being a star of the game and a gentleman to boot for helping bring the mighty Hawks a three-peat. Darth, tight turnaround. Well done, big boy, getting it out. Until tomorrow, tomorrow, with Sandy Roberts, peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. Listener.